When I worked in campus ministry, we would occasionally schedule semi-formal evenings with the students to kind of give them a change of pace. A nice evening of dinner and fellowship with some sort of faith-centered element. For one of these, I was asked to do a bit of a theatrical representation of a biblical narrative. What happened that evening has had much longer-lasting effects than what I ever could have imagined. I'll tell you how, coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. You have found the home of on-air and online Catholic spiritual direction right here on Relevant Radio. Thanks for joining us for a bit of help and hope in living out your Catholic faith today. I'm your host, Patrick Conley. Well, again, I was on campus ministry staff, and my fellow staffers and I were putting together a nice semi-formal evening for our students to be held in the fellowship hall of a local church. My main assignment was to dramatically depict a passage from Scripture, maybe three to five minutes. And I had done some study related to storytelling the Scriptures, so I was game. And as I pondered on which narrative to select or which biblical character to portray, I don't know why, but almost immediately it popped into my head. I wanted to portray Simeon from the biblical narrative of the presentation from Luke chapter 2. I read the passage over and over. I engaged my imagination and pondered what this event would have been like from Simeon's point of view in his heart and in his mind. When the evening came, I finished my dinner quickly and excused myself to change into a tunic. I then emerged in character, greeting everyone present as if they were there with me in the Jerusalem temple. I was making small talk, chatting with the guests, and accusing a few of being from Galilee, and then acted as if I had noticed a small family sneaking in a side entrance. I rushed to them, snatched the invisible child out of its equally invisible mother's arms, held him aloft, and recited what I now know as the Nunc Dimittis from memory. Lord, you now let your servant go in peace. Now, as those of you who have been involved even a little with the dramatic arts know, you do gain a certain personal affinity to the characters you portray. And because of this specific event, I have ever since harbored a great affection for St. Simeon. But there's even more to the story. The young, a young woman, who was a college student at the time, who would later become my wife, was also in the room for this dinner. She would tell me later that evening that later that the evening and particularly the focus on the presentation had had a deep effect on her as well. So together, I think the presentation has become a sort of shared favorite Bible passage, and rightly so, for it is completely packed with gems worthy of meditation. So today, I thought we'd do a little mining of these gems and take a look at the glorious gift of the presentation of the Lord. Serving as our chief miner and spiritual director today is Father Ramil Fajardo. Father Ramil serves the Archdiocese of Chicago in a number of ways, including as a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal, as director of liturgy and the Cardinal's delegate for St. James Chapel, and as the rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Father Ramil, thank you for joining us again. Great to be with you. Good morning, Patrick. Um, 
how are you doing? <laughs> that's, that's quite a story. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm feeling great. I love this celebration of the presentation. I love Candlemas. I love um, all these things. And I, and I don't know if it was just a gift from the Lord or if it's just my imagination kind of run amok, but uh, I have this, uh, this long-held, enduring love for St. Simeon. And please, God, I cannot wait to meet him face-to-face. Oh, mm. man. I think uh, I, I think it resonates because we're talking about someone who was patient and someone who bided his time. Mm. You know, we hear it in the liturgy as we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. Right. Right. So Simeon, here he is. He's not quite sure who this Messiah is going to be, but he knows it is in it's in his time. So when we pray the uh, when we pray the mass as we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our savior Jesus Christ we kind of know differently because we are in the new covenant right yeah but, yeah but here's here's Simeon he says like, I know it's going to happen in my time I know something's going to happen I just want to hold on just long enough to see it right right I mean it's so it's so wonderful just to even see that I mean it it's actually embodied the whole nation of ancient Israel really embodied in Simeon as they look forward in this wonder wonder filled but also this very expectant and and let's just say uh, it's kind of a desirous a, a pining away this hope in the Lord delivering his salvation to his people and like you say we look at it from the from the other side of the coin in a sense through through the other side of the lens maybe might be another way of looking at it as well that the Lord's salvation has come in the person of Jesus Christ and yet we still live in hope, the hope of the fulfillment of all things at the very end of time, yeah? Mm-hmm. And we already know the triumph of our Lord. His His birth, His life, His death, His resurrection is the pledge and promise fulfilled of everlasting life. Yeah. But He waits for us. He asks us to uh, do our part here in this world. So we have... We do have that eschatological perspective. We know what's going to happen. You know, we have right. the revelation, but sometimes we're just okay. This is kind of taking a while, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it becomes problematic for us in our everyday, ordinary life. I mean, you know, what did what did Pope Benedict the Sixteenth say at one point? He just said, "Well, you know, the Lord wins in the end." <laughs> Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, we definitely know that the war has been won, right? Um, but right. that doesn't mean that the fighting has, uh, or that the news has reached all corners of the of the ba- of the battlefield right, just yet, right? And well, for those of us who know, it's yeah. the wait. It's the waiting part and the participation in the mission. Yeah, you know, um, and that too is another way that we can look to Simeon and the prophetess Anna, who's also present, been waiting on the Lord for these many, many years. Um, she's what eighty-four in the temple. Um, is she when she first encounters the Lord, and yet she has been there really since she became a widow, um, only seven years into her marriage. And uh, these these people who have this this undying hope that leads them to this just uh, heroic patience, right? I mean, uh, that's one of those things that it's dying hope. And I think that's a lesson for us as well, isn't it, Father, that that, uh, that really, if we're seeking to grow in patience, maybe we just need to strengthen our hope in one way or another. Well, it's interesting because, again, just like St. Joseph in this case, Anna, there's not a, there are no words recorded that she had said, but... Right. 
uh, and there are not a lot of details other than the fact that she was a widow. She uh, she died after only seven years of marriage, um, and we don't know if she had any kids. But as they always say, and I saw a meme on Facebook once which said, "It's only because of the prayers of our grandmothers that some of us got through." Yeah. life <laughs> yeah seriously you know, all the rosaries right. of our grandmothers got us through imagine anna and the power of her prayer yeah right yeah pretty pretty fascinating we're talking about the feast of the presentation today's great feast in the church calendar wrapping up 40 days after christmas and talking about fulfillment and how the fulfillment uh that is offered in the uh, old testament law of uh being the the restoration of of uh, a family after the birth of a firstborn, and the the um, yeah the giving over the firstborn to the Lord, the consecration that's involved there, um, and yet the fulfillment of all things in the person of Jesus Christ coming to the temple. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, here's a couple of questions for you. First of all, um, we're talking about patience already. Are you a patient person? I mean, what do you think of the patience of Simeon and Anna? Are they role models for you? Do you have ways of practicing patience? Um, do you have this confidence that the Lord is with you and going to be providing for you even in the midst of life's difficulties? Or have you seen somebody be confident in the Lord really even in the face of death? Uh, have you seen that at all? Or do you have some other way that the presentation speaks to you and is an important passage for your life and your spiritual life as well? Give us a call. Our toll-free studio line here in the Inner Life is 888-914-9149. That's sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevant. Radio.com. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's just it's so packed with things. Um, and specifically, I think one of the things that comes to mind, um, you know, initially with this, I mean, I do have in my mind's eye, Father, this uh, this relatively, and I and I love the way, especially around kind of the early days of Jesus's earthly life, that um, everything seems to be done apparently in earthly obscurity. Um, and so I, I just have this this uh, mindset of this small kind of unnoticed family of three of St. Joseph, our Blessed Virgin, and uh, our Lord himself um, kind of making their way into the temple. Um, and in this massive structure, um, you know, maybe weaving about other people who are you know, noisily there and, and that sort of thing. There's something about the obscurity of of this as well that uh, I think is worthy of reflection upon as well, that um, while the heavens were definitely aware of what was going on, there is something too about the Lord is working in some pretty profound ways, even when we may not notice it. Right. The uh, Again, this is a wonderful observation because we we live ordinary life, right? We go through everyday ordinary existence, um, and if we have the right attitude, we're going to become saints by the way we live our ordinary lives. It's a, you know we're all called to ordinariness, uh, but the extraordinary way we live life mm-hmm. in Christ is what makes the big difference. Is it drudgery? No, actually, we're we're actually very normal people, but we do everything that we do with a an eye towards perfecting our love. And and you hear that passage in the scripture, you know, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And for perfectionists like myself, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it it becomes problematic. And yeah, right, and I, and I remind everybody as well as myself to love perfectly is what makes a difference. It's the effort that makes a big difference. And so, talking about obscurity, talking about ordinariness, they were just very normal people. They 
knew by their reaction, Joseph and Mary, that something was asked of them by God and something big. But then, Patrick, isn't it also true that God asks each and every one of us something big? Yeah, he wo- exactly. He woke us up this morning. You know, our individuality, our uniqueness is is just absolutely mind-blowing because God said, wake up. Beloved, wake up. We've got something for you today. And we will find God in the ordinary circumstances of our life. So obscure, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., you know, <laughs> London, they don't know what we're doing, but God does. Mm-hmm. And how we drive on the expressway, one of my big complaints, <laughs> talking about patience, <laughs> driving yeah. on the expressways, um, how we answer the telephone, how we see people on the on public transport, just a smile holding the door. Obscurity, but with much love, every act can be done towards building up the kingdom of God here on earth in others and our sanctity. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I think that that's an excellent, an excellent point that uh, even with uh, even with the very actions that we do, and uh, I know that's one of the ways I tend to get down, Father, is when I feel like I've been laboring away as hard as I can, um, relying on God's grace, you know, prayerfully doing so. But, uh, you know, by, by sweat and blood and tears, you know, doing what I can and what I, what I feel I'm called to do, but it doesn't seem to be having any particular profound effect. But I think that this is just another reminder that, well, maybe, just maybe, the heavens are doing something that uh, you aren't even aware of yourself uh, in the midst of what you're doing. Simeon and Anna really actually give us two very good examples. Here's Simeon, who actually has recorded words, a famous uh, Nunc Dimittis prayer, all right? Yeah. So here's, here's Simeon, who's recorded saying these words. He sounds like somebody is like walking around the temple, like you said in your, uh, your, your presentation. He's yeah. walking around talking to people. He's very apostolic in that sense. And then there's Anna, quite the introvert. The only thing remembered about her was the intensity of her prayers. She didn't say much, but she said a lot to our Lord, and she was most likely very edifying to the people who saw her, such concentration. So you have both activity and interior uh, prayer life. So Simeon and Anna are wonderful examples of in two circumstances of our lives, we can find God and we can bring God right so in public their public lives they were noticed for two things yeah yeah very good i i love it and and it's uh, just another reflection on the on the feast of the presentation today which is what we're talking about let's go to the phones tiffany is calling in from lake tahoe nevada tiffany welcome to the program thank you for calling in good morning thank you for having me i i do apologize i'm driving but i was moved to call in um because it is my grandmother and my great grandmother that prepared me for the days that I am experiencing. Um, and I'm a widow myself. Um, so your, your discussion just really moved me to call in and say, thank you mm. for validating and confirming everything, um, that I've been experiencing in the last four months. Mm. And remember uh, that this feast of the presentation is presenting Christ who is the life light of the world, right? The whole thing of the, of Candlemas is to highlight in the very temple itself the very presence, the light of the world. So our everyday lives should be a demonstration, a presentation in the temple of the world, the light of Christ. So thank you for 
acknowledging that Christ is the light of your world, well, he's the light of the world, and your everyday life is that presentation to the world. Mm. Yeah, Tiffany, thank you so much for that and for, um, yeah, well, prayers are prayers for you and uh, the things that you're going through right now. And God bless grandmas, right? Grandmas and great-grandmas. Thank you so much, grandmas and great-grandmas and grandpas and great-grandpas for your (laughs) prayers. And, I mean, again, may be seen to be done in obscurity, but uh, have tremendous heavenly effect on people's lives. So thank you so much for that. We're talking today about the Feast of the Presentation. Are there hidden ways in which you are seek to be uh, really standing up for another in uh, the presence of the Lord, of, uh, of upholding them in prayer, of lifting them up before the Father? Um, are you waiting patiently for the Lord in some particular way? If this feast has a specific and, and uh, yeah, deep meaning for you in some way, we'd love to have you in on the conversation. 888-914-9149 is our phone number. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address, if you'd prefer, is innerlife at relevantradio.com. I'll tell you what, since we're at a kind of a breaking point right now anyway, let's take our first break. We'll go into that, and then we'll resume the conversation with our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, on the other side of this break as we continue to talk about today's feast, the Feast of the Presentation. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Big thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. Hurry now to compete for five full tuition scholarships at UD, a leading Catholic university. Apply by February 14th for eligibility. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash UDallas. That's RelevantRadio.com slash UDallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for joining me. My name is Patrick Conley. We're talking with our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, today on the Feast of the Presentation. Father, just before that break, I know that we were talking about the, the Jesus being brought to the temple and it being a candle mess, the blessing of the day on which we bless all the candles used throughout the year, and, and specifically um, the, the symbol of Jesus being the light of the world. And one of the things I've always been fascinated by, Father, is that um, when we when we talk about that light of the world, this is one of those places where Jesus says two things about that. In John chapter 9, I know he talks about, um, he says, I am the light of the world, meaning Jesus himself is the light of the world, which we know that to be true. But then he also says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Um, so there's a little bit of that, isn't there? I mean, isn't there a, a kind of a, a sharing in Christ means that we too become... Uh, luminaries of of the heavenly light uh, throughout this dark world in which we pass. We are called to be the light to the world because we are in the mystical body of Christ. Christ has incorporated us into him, and we are the church. We are his mystical body, and in this body there are many parts, but only one body. And we all play our proper part in that body, who is Jesus Christ. He has brought us to himself. And... It's that longing that we have to be in union with him that is infectious, I guess. It it really shows us that in Christ is the old and new meeting. There was a wonderful there was a wonderful um quote from nineteen ninety nine when Pope Saint John Paul was talking about the presentation and uh, allow me to just quote this. He said, In yeah. the mysterious in the mysterious encounter between Simeon and Mary the Old and New Testaments are joined. 
Together, the aging prophet and the young mother give thanks for this light, which has kept the darkness from prevailing. It is the light which shines in the heart of human life. Christ, the Savior and Redeemer of the world, quote, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of his people, Israel. That is the very first line, a light of revelation, uh, that was chosen for the major, major document called Lumen Gentium of Vatican II. Mm -hmm. Dogmatic constitution, the highest yep. level of church document. And that document says Christ is the light of nations. And because this is so, the sacred synod gathered together in the Holy Spirit eagerly desires by proclaiming the gospel to every creature to bring the light of Christ to all men, a light brightly visible on the countenance of the church. Hmm. Okay. If people could read the documents of Vatican II, especially things like Lumen Gentium, with the eyes of faith, they would see this speaks about the light that radiates from the church. In other words, from us right. who believe to yeah. all the world. We show the way. We demonstrate by our lives and by our faith the way to the Father, because Christ is in us and we are in him. Amen to that, and that oft-quoted and uh, attributed quote to St. Francis of Assisi, although, you know, that's questionable, I think, but uh, anyway, the, 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 uh, that all the darkness in the world cannot hide the light of a single candle. I mean, I think that that's just a good reminder in saying that, yes, that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That one I'm a little more confident on as being biblical. Right. <laughs> so, thank you, St. John, for right, that. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. Let's take a phone call. Uh, we've got Phil calling in from Vancouver, Washington. Good morning, Phil. Thanks for calling the inner life. Good morning. Thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to share, um, you know, being a, a light to my, my children. My wife and I have been married 44 years this year. Um, and so we have four kids, two boys and two girls, um, all of them raised in the Catholic church. And, uh, you know, the, they have their struggles, the boys, especially, uh, with their faith. And recently, my my oldest son came back to the faith or is coming back to the faith. He joined uh, me in a retreat. And I was really surprised when I offered it to him that he took me up on it. But praise the Lord, uh, he, he is um, moving in the correct and the right path as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. Congratulations on 44 years, number one. As I, I remember the quote before when I do blessings for wedding anniversaries, your life, your marriage has been a living homily, right? Because the promise of I, of I love you in good times and in bad and sickness and health, I will love you and honor you all the days of my life, that your everyday ordinary life is, in fact, an explanation of the gospel. It is a living homily. And because of that, our call is to be a light to all the world. The way we approach things, the way we see things, the way we handle things is the best example of the gospel. And if your son sees that in you, then of course he's going to be like, why are you, at, why are you so at peace? I, I want a part of that. I, I, I need that peace. Mm -hmm. And that's the best lesson that no, no amount of cajoling or, or lecturing, which has its parts. I mean, let's, you know, let's face it, parents, you are the first teachers of the ways of not just life but of faith. So there's a little bit of instruction necessary, a little bit of cajoling as is necessary, but a life well lived 
in the Lord is the best homily. Hmm. Amen to that. Phil, thank you so much for the phone call. Congratulations, too, on your son uh, yeah, responding to the, to the homily that you and your wife have been preaching for so long now, too. And, and as Father was just saying, um, in and through your loving, godly marriage. So thank you so much, Phil. Appreciate the call. Let's go now to Cindy calling in from Texas. Cindy, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Hi, thank you. Um, I, I've been writing the book for a long, long time. I've decided to go ahead and self, um, self-publish it. And I have discovered that I have absolutely no talent in um, doing margins and tabs, and uh, but I do have it done, um, except for the formatting. I've been saying the novena of surrender to Jesus constantly, and I said, "Oh Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything." How do I leave it to Him when I'm the one who's supposed to be, you know? correcting things and making things and sending it off to Amazon and back and forth. Uh, how, how do I surrender myself yet still do the work? Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know what? Our, our, our loving God is giving you so much freedom. You would not be truly a daughter of the Father if you did not have freedom, right? He's giving you intellect. He's giving you drive. He's helping you to fulfill a vocation. Each of us have a calling, and you responded in your way. So part of it is writing. And I'm afraid being a a tribunal judge, brevity is not one of my gifts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also trying to use jargon too much. I've been Mm. dinged for that, or passive voice. Mm. So you have a gift. You have a skill. Okay. Surrendering is allowing our Lord to speak through you and your writing, but giving you a talent does not mean that you can't follow up by making sure that you learn how to do margins and t- do you, Patrick do you remember when we used to type papers on oh, manual yeah. or electric typewriters sure when that yeah. bell dinged it's like you've got five taps before the before you hit the margin <laughs> oh, yeah, right or you had to use correcto type with the with the little sheets of paper or, oh, or, or yeah. plastic yeah you know and the uh, <laughs> things are very different so you know, I would say just be patient with yourself. Mm. Start again. And remember, God has given you intellect. He's given you a gift. This is just one more thing. And, you know, it's not the end of the gift. It's actually you're learning a different part of the gift. So mm. don't be too discouraged. Just try again. And the part of the surrender also is to just smile and just say, well, there I go again. I can I can always do better. And I can always learn something new. Mm. Yeah, very good. And uh, hey, today, Cindy, why not invoke, well, maybe every day too, but specifically today, why not invoke the prayers of St. Simeon and St. Anna, who are great practicers of patience as well, patience with themselves and patience with the Lord above all. So hopefully that's a little bit of a help for you you there, Cindy. Thanks for calling in. Talking today about the Feast of the Presentation with our spiritual writer, Father Ramil Fajardo. And uh, Father, one of the things that I'm thinking about, too, when it comes to uh, Simeon and Anna, they were waiting to see the Lord's fulfillment, the Lord's salvation. They, I mean, they chose to wait in the temple. There was something about the temple. What was so important about the temple, and why did they choose to wait there? Because they knew, they knew that in that sacred space, they would encounter. Okay. Mm. I would... 
you know, and, and this is something that would be an interesting conversation. What were they waiting to encounter? I, I don't think any of us could really say they were going to see the Messiah. Hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's it's something that they knew that the Messiah would come, he would save ancient Israel, and if they are truly the Messiah, he would be brought to that place. And that's why Pope St. John Paul in 1999 said, the old and the new meet together in the temple. It's right. the fulfillment. It is there that the light of the world suddenly burst forth, as you said, in obscurity. Right. They had a refinement of faith that said, I see something in this child, in this mother and father. They had a refinement of spirit and of faith. And so let's turn this around and, and let's flip it around and say, well, in this year of Eucharistic revival, do we see Jesus in the host? Do we see him in communion? Because the light of the world is literally, literally right there. Do we right. acknowledge the light of the world in our very presence, we come to church for a purpose. And this is why I always like to say, well, do you know what you're really doing? I challenge people all the time. I'm not, I'm, I don't say to people, don't come to church. No, I say to them, you come to church, but why do right. you see in front of your eyes the very light of the world? Hmm. Jesus himself. When Simon and Anna were working on a refinement of faith, waiting in joyful hope, they knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like the the sun was just beginning to dawn for the very first time, and they, they were the eyes that got to see it at first, and yet we have the opportunity all the time um, to go and see the sun blazing away in the sky, and yet we uh, we fail it. We fail to see it. <laughs> we, I mean, yeah, we exactly. It. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Well, and I'm glad that you were you were so um, you you went right where I was uh, hoping you would go, Father. Uh, but that's exactly what was going to be my following question. You know, like when I when I was a Protestant, um, there wasn't that much of a there was some talk about sacred space and things like that. But you could basically create your own sacred space, like in your house, you can create create a little prayer corner and things. And those things are good things to do. But at the same time, there wasn't this sacramental mentality, this incarnational principle that was really undergirding and refining all of our understanding of that. And now becoming Catholic, one of the things that I've really appreciated is there is this idea about, you know, kind of on the other side of history from um, from this meeting point of old and new, that is, we still have this idea of sacred space, but it is the very real presence of our Lord present to us, most especially in the Holy Eucharist, Right. Right. And, you know, every time I've spoken with you, I've loved to talk about the Mass, whether mm -hmm. it's in a very simple suburban church or in something like St. Peter's Basilica or St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. It doesn't matter because for us, the true presence is Jesus Christ, his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And that is the sacramental theology. That is the doctrine and the dogma of the faith. When the priest presents to us, he is acting as in persona Christi Capitis. It is Jesus Christ, the only and one and only priest, and we receive him as he chooses to come to us under the appearance of that host. However, to follow up, I don't know if I've talked about this before on the show, but um, Pope Benedict XVI talked about, and he was a great lover of music and a great lover of art, 
and he talked when he was in St. Patrick's Cathedral uh, in in 2000 something uh, about the vocation of the priests, seminarians, religious women and men who were there to see him. In this talk, he talked about sacred art, and he said, "Look at the windows, the stained glass windows of St. Patrick's Cathedral. It's only when the sun." S-U-N, really shines through it that it comes alive. Well, mm. I'm paraphrasing. How yeah. about us? We are a stained glass window. When the S-O-N shines through us, the faith really comes alive. See yeah. how the interplay of the light of the world, if we are the church, it's not just stained glass window, but we are the light of the world when it comes shining through us, the S-O-N. Right. Right. That's an excellent point, too, that uh, the light of the world continues to, again, shine through and, and illuminate and empower us. And then we are also then commissioned to be that light for, for those who sit in darkness, right, and await such a great light as well. Um, and one more thing about the, the whole idea of sacred space as well, Father, as, as uh, Simeon and Anna spent their time in the temple near the presence of the Lord, of course, in the ancient Israelite mindset of the Holy of Holies being the very presence of God uh, in their midst, dwelling among them, um, then we too can can see this in um, wherever we have the sacred host, wherever it is, uh, you know, reserved in the tabernacle that we we understand that there there sits the light of the world and so maybe just a word of encouragement from you too about the the um yeah the power of being able to wait in the presence of it so maybe taking some time to pray in the in the church to to attend some eucharistic adoration and uh bring our bring our longings bring our hopes there before the lord in person so to speak oh yeah I bring it to my spiritual direction, uh, director all the time. I just said, you know, Father, I'm so busy. It's it's a struggle to do one of the uh, one of the expected norms of a priest is just spend a few minutes with our Lord, and yeah. he just kind of shakes his head. Is like, you know, how can how can you be convincing to others if you yourself are not struggling to fulfill this? And you know, it's always a good reminder mm. for myself. Practice what you preach, and if I dare to say the Holy Mass, and then. Uh, not really live the mass, then it's kind of like a dual life. It, it's a it's a double life, you know. You know the talk, but you don't actually walk the walk, right? So, right. I think. No, I'm not going to say I think. We must make a conscious <laughs> effort. Yeah. There's another writing skill. <laughs> you know, On the fly editing, I like it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we must make a conscious effort to say, all right. I'm going to start again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take one minute before the Lord today. And then tomorrow, I'm going to make it two minutes. And then I'm going to start moving it to 15 minutes. I'm going to do a holy hour. And, you know, not everyone can do a holy hour. So do a holy five minutes. You know, it's it's the love that we put into it that matters. It really makes the big difference because we can just go through the motions and get nothing out of it. But if we can sneak in little times to visit, you know, I work in the pastoral center of the Archdiocese of Chicago. We have a magnificent French Gothic um, chapel for the seminarians at one time. And it's uh, it's called St. James Chapel. And it's magnificent. It's almost mm. like, you know, St. Patrick's with all the stained glass. I can pass through there at any time, genuflect before the tabernacle as often as I want. If I don't have an hour, I can at least walk in, say, hello to the Lord. I love yeah. you genuflect and then get to my meeting or do this. So many people in the pastoral center use the chapel because our Lord is truly present. That little Mm -hmm. red lamp shows he's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, just uh, yet again, I'm just touched by the imagery of it, that this yeah tiny little red lamp that uh, gives off very little light. If you've ever been in a darkened chapel when that's the only light showing, you know, it's it doesn't give off a lot of light. And yet uh, it should fuel our imagination that there in the tabernacle sits the very light of the world. So <laughs> it's, I don't know, this stuff just, I love this kind of stuff. And I am so moved um, that uh, it is presented to us today as we're talking about the Feast of the Presentation. So glad you could join us as we continue to mine this wonderful passage for some great insight into this, the living out of a life that is uh, that is enlightened by the light of the world by Christ himself with our spiritual director Father Ramil Fajardo if you have ways that uh, you take your darkness into the light of the world if there is a is a ways that you bring before him your cares your concerns that you cast your cares upon him and take upon yourself his yoke which is easy and his burden which is light give us a call and join the conversation at 888-914-9149 again 888-914-9149 or send us an email innerlife at relevantradio.com and hey since we were talking about the eucharist don't forget about the National Eucharistic Congress coming up. Join all of us at Relevant Radio there this summer in July in Indianapolis for the National Eucharistic Congress. Check out more on that at relevantradio.com encounter. Let's all show up for Jesus together this summer in Indianapolis. We'll be right back with more of The Inner Life. Big thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. Hurry now to compete for five full tuition scholarships at UD, a leading Catholic university. Apply by February 14th for eligibility. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash UDallas. That's RelevantRadio.com slash UDallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Patrick Conley. We've got Nick Sentovich and Lita Prey who are co-producing the show together for us today. And Thomas Engesser is taking your phone calls. And so grateful that you're joining us as we're talking about the Feast of the Presentation. And actually, before I get away from it, just a reminder, too, about Lent not being that far away. So let's make sure we remember that. And another way that you can enhance your Lenten journey this year with your parish is through Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, sponsored in part by the National Center for Padre Pio. These are free daily videos, and all they are is just bite-sized explorations of the prayers and postures that will transform your perspective on the Mass and re-energize your parish into uh, your parish community. And you can pray, you can fast, you can serve these 40 days with 40 lessons and with Father's Weekly Eucharistic Encounters as well. You can sign up for these videos that will come to your inbox each day during Lent and share with your family at relevantradio.com slash Lent. Talking today, as I said, about the Feast of the Presentation with our spiritual director, Father Emil Fajardo. And uh, Father Emil, one of the things I wanted to make sure and and get to were these maybe quizzical words that are said by St. Simeon toward, uh, toward Mary, our Lord's mother, right? Um, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. Any thoughts as to what uh, what is he talking about here? It's very obvious he saw through the eyes of faith, as granted to him by God himself, that the child he was holding and presenting would be the challenge to the people of Israel because they were the chosen people. And he said, this child is set for the fall and rise of many in Israel. In other words, there are going to be those who should know better and simply missed their cue. 
they missed the sign and that there are many others in Israel who would in fact recognize who he was. We take a look at the shepherds, right, out mm-hmm. in the field that night. Right. Um, all those people who were following our Lord, looking for miracles, how many of them became disciples and followers? I'm sure there were many. But again, the rise and fall, it's just like this. It's the story of history where when it's easy to be a follower, they can follow. When it's difficult, they kind of hang back a little bit. But the point that Simeon is making is that it is a sign of contradiction. It is a sign of contradiction which speaks to that to that point, that in the ebb and flow of life, you're going to find people who come and go. But most importantly, it is, a, it is his prophecy that this is the child and this is what you will see happening because of him. This is God's beloved. And also what he said to Our Lady, that a sword will pierce her own heart. Right. right, that the yeah. very sorrows of know, of knowing this, it must have shocked Our Lady, you know. And and there's Joseph's like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. They're they're just they're processing all this. What does this all mean? But I think uh, I do believe that when we say set for the rise and fall of many in Israel, that it is the that precise prophecy that there will be many who miss it, but many more who will rise to heavenly glory because they knew and recognize that the time of the Messiah was now amongst them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not hard to think that there is a modern analog to this as well, that uh, there are in our midst. I mean, we see it, right? Even amongst those who, you know, perhaps very well-meaning and perhaps even baptized Catholics uh, who are, for whatever reason, they're becoming disenfranchised with the faith, that there's kind of this way in which um, they may have been sacramentally introduced to the Lord, but uh, their relationship has not grown much beyond that initial encounter. And so um, what are what is our responsibility in, the, in those situations, Father? You know, Simeon was correct. I mean, he was being prophetic. He saw in our Lord the rise and fall of many in Israel. Well, if we are the new people of God, that is an indictment on all of us as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely an indictment on all of us. And that, you know, this is the sort of thing that would pierce not only Our Lady's heart, but Our Lord's most sacred heart. You know, here we are, First Friday, right? And yep. it, it, it pierces Our Lord's heart again, as well as Our Lady's, that there are those who know better. They know better. So what's our responsibility? Number one, um, we have to follow Anna and just keep with our prayers, keep our eyes on the Lord. Also, another thing, too, uh, I just realized that today is also World Day for Consecrated Life. Right. We're gonna, yeah. uh, right. We have Mass at noon here at the Cabrini Shrine, and we're going to, we're going to remember all those who... Uh, consecrated their life to be a light to the world. So for those who are called to consecrated life, there's another way of showing our response to the Lord and fulfilling the prophecy of Simeon and Anna to respond to the light of the world. Ultimately, Patrick, we can't be responsible for every single person, but we are responsible for ourselves. So are we faithful? Again, excellent, excellent time to think of uh, Simeon and Anna's response. We can't be responsible for every single person, but we can be responsible for ourselves. We must be responsible for ourselves, and that means if we take our Lord seriously, then nothing should, number one, we're not discouraged, not, at least not for too long, right? Right, 
We right. pick ourselves up again. We begin. Uh, but we continue praying and we continue being that presence, that light of the world in everything. Look at Simeon. He's going around. I could just see him greeting people in the temple area, you know, saying yeah. hello. To, oh, okay, good to see you again. And there's Anna just kind of quietly praying in the corner. Just you, you've got both ways of life in these two wonderful saints. Mm-hmm. And that's it is a wonderful reminder. And and it, actually, the more you're talking, Father, the more I'm coming back to really something that Phil brought up in, ter- in terms of like praying for the return of a, of a beloved one, a son in his case, to the faith and, and having the patience to wait in the midst of that. How many of us know people have loved ones who have wandered away from the faith and yet... It, you know, in a sense, our own souls, our own hearts are pierced for them when we exactly. when we ache for them. And yet, like you were just saying, too, we have great models for us in the persons of Simeon and Anna and remembering that, uh, yeah, we need to remain close to the Lord and continue um, continue interceding on the, on their behalf, but that does not mean that 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 the that we feel no pain for those who are have wandered away. In fact, if anything, it makes it more pronounced. Exactly, uh, another great saint. You think of someone like Saint Monica. There you go. And right. how and how she prayed for her son. You know, how many decades did she pray for him? So when people say, "Oh, you know, <laughs> right. you know, my children don't go to mass," I'm like, "Well, are you praying for them?" Are you praying for them? And again, invitation. And oh, and I do tell parents, if, if any of our listeners who are parents are going through this, I just say to them, you know, guys, you've done the best you could. If you can honestly say that you've done the best you could have, then place it in God's hands. The next step is prayer. And again, a smile. Love them. I mean, it goes without saying our parents will love their kids, right? That mm-hmm. goes without saying. So even when they disappoint you, Take a look at what happened to the Blessed Virgin Mary. A sword will pierce your heart. You know, well, this is a, a way to be in union with uh, with Our Lady and with Our Lord. You know, God came into this world so that he would be with us through experience life with right. us. He, and it, this is another thing I, in present, in preparation for Lent, one thought, Patrick, that crosses my mind is, yeah, yeah. our Lord has called us into life. We are one of a kind. And you know, for those of us who have been baptized, who believe and take our spiritual life seriously, our Lord asks us to carry our cross. Well, you know what? When we stretch out our hands uh, in imitation of the cross, for example, at least in my mind's eye, I see us joining our Lord in the cross to hold open the gates, the time of the open gates, so that as many people can cross into everlasting life. We join Mm -hmm. our Lord in that eternal sacrifice. He holds the gates of heaven as long as he can, open wide. Uh, and that's why, for me, taking up your cross takes on a more symbolic and specific meaning. There's only one of you, one of me. There's only one of us. And if we choose to take up the cross, our arms spread out wide, join our Lord in holding open those gates so more people can mm. can participate in eternal life. Mm. Yeah, I do like the analogy as well, and it only seeks, it only serves, excuse me, to underscore the necessity of our intimacy with the Lord. That we, I mean, even in that itself, we are we are tying ourselves closer and closer to Him, and uh, and how much we need Him in our own lives as well. I mean, this is His work that we are being asked and, and privileged to partake in, to participate in with Him, as uh, being ourselves the light of the world, as you said earlier. In fact. Um, 
Bob from Chicago wrote us an email on one of our regular emailers, and Bob um, writes, he says, I don't drive and cannot walk to the nearest adoration chapel, so kind of bet being in the presence of the Lord like Simeon and Anna. Um, but he says, so I like to access a perpetual adoration site on YouTube, and Jesus comes to me, and I pour out my heart to him. It's incredible, he writes. Bob, thank you for the email. But it just, it's it's it stirs me to think about that even those who feel like, well, I'm so limited, I'm so far away from the Lord, I can't, maybe those who are shut in or cannot, you know, get around on their own, don't have this opportunity. There are ways, and of course, the Lord is certainly present to us, even if we can't make that kind of a journey. Absolutely. In fact, back in the back in the 40s and 50s, they used to have something called nocturnal adoration. You would stay at home and you would just have a little booklet with guided meditations, do a holy hour at home. You know, mm-hmm. sit sit in front of the crucifix, sit in your comfy chair, sit sit looking out a window, and do nocturnal adoration, keeping our Lord uh, company for one hour. Picture yourself at your local parish church, days before the internet and YouTube, right? Right, <laughs> um, right. right. Sit at home and then picture yourself in front of the Lord. None of these things have gone away. They're still wonderful opportunities. We're not limited in our love for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So if any moms and dads out there are concerned about their children, as they could be and should be, the point is love them very much. That is a given. Don't give up in, in prayer nor in inviting, but also trust that God is at work through you. Mm-hmm. Stay close to the Lord because it's important that their message is our Lord's message, that yeah. our Lord hungers for them to come home. Yeah. Amen to that. What a great, what a great promise. And uh, and one final thing, Father, we've only got a few seconds before you ask your blessing, but we didn't really even get into this. But one of the things that, that I'm always impressed by is Simeon's just utter confidence in the face of his own mortality, his own death, because he knew that something so much more important was right there in front of him. Absolutely. And how about us who hold that promise? We have that right. promise. We receive our Lord every Sunday. Right. We, already, we have that guarantee. Simeon knew it by faith. We have it by reality. It's, it's, the host cannot be any more real of God himself than than anything else I can think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. What a tremendous gift. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed listening to uh, this conversation on the presentation of the Lord, and I hope it helps you enjoy and uh, celebrate feast on this day, this feast of the presentation. Father Ramil Fajardo has been our spiritual director today. And Father, as you know, we like to close the show always with the blessings. May we have that from you now, please. Through the intercession of St. Simeon, St. Anna, and also St. Francis Xavier Cabrini on this World Day of Consecrated Life, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, very good. Yeah, if you are inspired by this or any of our past shows, you can always find it at relevantradio.com slash life, and you can share it with others. Thanks so much for joining us for this one. Coming up Monday on the program, Father Dave Heaney is going to be back with us talking about the blessed sacrament of matrimony, of marriage, and what it means for you and your life. Coming up next, of course, is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with our celebrant today of Father Rich Getchell. Hope you have a fantastic weekend that is filled with all sorts of reminders of the Lord's presence in your life. Until next time, friends, grace and peace.